listening to the Food Talk Show. Hi there, my name is Sue Nelson and for the next 30 minutes or so we're going to be talking about all things food and I'm joined by by my fellow presenter Ollie Lloyd of Great British Chefs. Hi there Ollie, I've got a lovely smell in the studio. Can you smell it? I know, it's well exciting isn't it? Mm. So I've got like a fruity slightly chocolatey smell because in front of me I've got like a crumble of some sort it looks like a cheesecake and a Swiss roll I'm a Swiss roll probably know? since I was a child you know, they were always my favourite thing as a child I haven't made one for a long time I need you know Not the whole art of flipping them over yeah you know um, before we before we go in hopefully to taste some of these things because our, our lovely guest Joe Devonish has brought with her um, frozen food I don't buy frozen food perhaps I should um, but with your great British chef's research, there's some interesting trends happening with frozen food. It's becoming more popular. Do you know what? It is. And I think there are a couple of reasons for that. I think firstly, um, you know, people have woken up to the fact that actually frozen can be fresh, which frozen is sort of... can be good. You know, and, no, and fresh yeah. in the sense that, you know, if you take a fish and you catch it and you freeze it, it is the freshest it can possibly be. And if you then cook it, straight from that state actually it's not defrosted and a lot of the fish on frozen counter aisle, on fish aisles are actually frozen then defrosted so actually you're just buying defrosted fish often so actually frozen is often a very 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 fresh way you know peas we're all really used to peas so i think peas started that revolution and i think it's now moved into different areas but i think what's interesting as well is if you look at a retailer like iceland which has done a lot to try and kind of revolutionize its image actually only 29 percent of committed foodies claim never to shop at Iceland. You see, I have never even been in Iceland because, first of all, it's Kerry Katona, I have to admit that, um, advertising it. <laughs> but um, I just I just feel like it's got horse meat and, you know, whatever, shouting out of the window, which is it's completely unfair because in my head that's the... That's the impression I have of frozen food. And, and that, that you're saying that's not fair anymore. Well, I, I think the world of frozen is very broad. I mm. think, you know, you have to deal with frozen ingredients is one thing. So, you know, a freshly frozen piece of cod, Norwegian cod is, you know, that's, you know, that's a pure ingredient. Now, you then go all the way through to, you know, frozen desserts and, and frozen ready meals and frozen pizzas. And there are certain things I don't think should be frozen, right, <laughs> personally. Um, but then there are other things that actually freeze well. And I think in the convenience world we live in, actually one's seeing more and more people embrace things like, like Cook. It's a good example where, you know, Cook is a big chain in the UK that sells frozen stuff everywhere uh, mm. and has, you know, blossomed. You know, I'm sure we'll come on to it, you know, in the last because few it's, years. Because um, in, in the research that we've got here, it's saying things like frozen peppers and diced onions, um, that they're growing, you know, quite you know quite quickly and, and that's a rising trend so people are thinking oh i can get you know some some vegetables or whatever and they're frozen and they'll be fine so and, and but as you say they're, they're the sort of pure you know but there's also no wastage i mean that's yeah. been a, one of the problems you know we were talking last week about you know bagged salad and the amount of sheer wastage in the world of bagged salad actually in the world of frozen you take out what you need you don't waste frozen mm. peas you pour out what you want you cook it you eat it that's the way it works so i think there is 
you know, there's a real benefit in the world of frozen that it does reduce wastage and it gives you the ability to kind of have a meal when you don't have anything in the fridge kind of thing. And, I think and, it's quite clever. And you're seeing what, what you describe as food is in your research actually um, um, gravitating more towards frozen food then? Yeah, I think they see a role for it and I think they mm. see it... They, they, I think they're... I think what they're, they're beginning to see is that it has a role in the way that we eat, which is about, one, it's about freezing things yourself. So there's a trend towards that, which is, yeah. you know, one of the great tips of, you know, you have half a bottle of un undrunk wine, freeze it, use it in your next... Can you, you know, freeze wine? Yeah, you freeze wine, you basically put it in ice cubes and you throw it into into stock, into into stews and things. So actually, quite clever, you know, sort of mm. so I think, I think foodies come from that world whereby the freezer is your friend, not your enemy. And if you start to then use your freezer cleverly... I actually think you do reduce food waste and it means you have backup plans and it means certain things are fresher mm. and it's more convenient in certain ways. Well, luckily, we've got an expert with us called Thank Joe Devonish um, from Gourmet. Joe, you believe that um, frozen food or the frozen, the revival of the frozen aisle, let's say, is one of the hottest food trends? Yeah, well, I think big companies like Iceland have done us a good favour. Well, even despite Kerry Katona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've made us aware that Fresh food is sitting around a long time and frozen food is frozen within minutes of it being picked or... Prepared, yeah. Yeah, and um, so in some ways it's a lot fresher um, and I think they're doing a lot to educate people that way. But so you do think it's moving away from the... I mean, my nightmare is, you know, they do all those party things where you get a little samosa and you get a little bit of, I don't know, sausage roll and somehow you get these out of the freezer and then you've got all your family coming around and they can eat these really cheap canopy things which i think are pretty you don't poor do quality. That, so. no i don't yeah. um, um uh, but that sort of that image is lingering around still in my head but but i think what you're saying um joe is that it's, it's definitely moving on from that there, there's definitely some brands in there that are much more sort of you know authentic or or, or stuff that's that, that's more expensive i'm not saying there's anything wrong with the cheap food but what i'm saying is i wouldn't go there because it's not really my type of thing whereas now i might have some more choice yeah, well, there isn't been much choice. That's been one of the problems. Mm. Um, there's a lot of people out there more willing to spend more money on premium frozen meals, um, but the just brands haven't been there. Yeah, um, which is why we saw a bit of a gap, gap. in the market there. Yeah, um, well, it's interesting, isn't it? The ha there really aren't. You know, if you if you go back five years, you know, there were no brands in the kind of premium frozen space. I and mean, Bird's Eye was probably Bird's Eye Peas was probably as the posh only. As you got, that really? was as posh as you got. Yeah. yeah. You know, mm. it was and the retailers really who kind of controlled those frozen cabinets and they weren't innovating. Yeah. And Ollie, do you think the horse meat scandal and its attachment to lasagna in particular, did, do you think that, that, that harmed it quite a bit? Or do you think that has created the opportunity for disruptors like Joe? I think the horse meat scandal is much broader than the frozen aisle. I think it's yeah. much more about concerns about food provenance and concerns about what, where things come from and how things are made. So I think that. You know, the truth is your concern should be as great in a ready meal that is ambient as, as a as ready meal that's frozen. Yeah. I mean, it's it's about how control how, how in control are manufacturers of their manufacturing process and where stuff is coming from. Hmm. So, so Joe, you've spotted this sort of trend um, and uh, your company's called um, Gourmet. Uh, tell us tell us about how you started then. So so you, you, you saw this 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 gap. How on earth do you do do you start in terms of making what do you just sit at home and made a few meals and frozen them and took them <laughs> to a farmer's market no I'm joking but but how did you how did you sort of start well it really started from my own experience with my family I love cooking spend a lot of time cooking um and I would 
make a meal from scratch every night. Um, but when the kid's growing up, when they're little, they get down from the table within about five minutes. And when they're getting older, they hopping what? off to the gym. One's or at hockey practice thing. and one's, yeah. one's coming in at five, exactly. one coming in at seven. Yeah. As it dawned on me that I was spending nearly 40 minutes to an hour every night preparing this meal, which they all enjoyed, but there was not much benefit in it, really. I could mm. spend that time doing better things, mm. uh, more fulfilling things. So I started making lasagnas in batches of about five or six and freezing them. And then every time we wanted lasagna after that, it was a 20 minutes shove in the oven rather than an all afternoon Absolutely. exercise, which yeah. felt much more rewarding for me. Um, and it really grew from there. There was lots of people out there that felt the same way as me. Um, I thought it would be a good thing to do. But hang on, so just fill in that gap between I'm doing it for my family to I'm now doing it at a brand level and selling it all over the place. So. When did you start? So how did the brand start and, and how did that, you know, because it's not easy to move from kitchen Definitely to production. Not. No, well, obviously we did outgrow our kitchen fairly yeah. quickly. Um, so we collaborated with other like-minded British producers um, to cook them for us. We tried to stick to expert people to do their specific field. Um, pastry makers, for example, do our pies um, and we got dessert maker that does our desserts for us um so we keep the experts doing what they but absolutely do the best. to your specification and then all your my quality recipes, control yeah, yeah you, you absolutely yeah i do all the npd and spend a lot of time in my kitchen producing things that i would like to see mm. so actually shelves. from a business that was born about cooking less and doing more rewarding you've She's ended now up cooking, cooking more, more. <laughs> there lies the irony That's a job of all, now, though. Of all yeah. these things. You know, we all start you yeah. know, companies and you think you're going to end up doing this, but you end yeah. up doing it. It does have its perks. It does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got Gourmet here. Now, you've bought, um, you've bought very kindly, um, some, some, some products for us to taste, which is rather good because I'm a little bit hungry, actually. <laughs> um, so just, just talk us through the four that you've got uh, in front of us here. Uh, I know which one um, Ollie's going to go for already. <laughs> we've got a salted caramel meringue roulade, which is a meringue with fresh cream and caramel um, and then we have a flourless chocolate roulade which is gluten free has it got cream in the middle it has double cream. cream fresh double cream yeah. in the middle nice. and a chocolate nice. ganache as well mm -hmm. and then we have um, a rhubarb and strawberry crumble tart oh, I see. No, in an all butter pastry case there's nothing gluten free about that no unfortunately <laughs> no that's good and then we have a baked vanilla cheesecake with raspberries on a biscuit base so uh, they're in boxes here. So we've got you've got two. You've got a box where you've got two mm -hmm. Belgian chocolate roulades, for example, yeah. um, and that means you get a whole one of those, um, and you can freeze those. If I take them out of the freezer, do they have? They, I presume they have to defrost. Uh, yeah, for they like do for 10 a short 15 while. minutes yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. What one are you going to try first, Ollie? So, so, so literally, all, I mean, the idea is you take these out of your freezer, you let them defrost. Twenty while minutes later. Twenty minutes later, you're good sorted. to go. Yeah, the crumbles I suggest on the pack nicer popped in the oven for a few minutes. Yeah, but straight, they can straight be from frozen. They can be, yeah, exactly. Mm. So I'm eating the. Should I talk while you eat, and then you can? Then <laughs> yeah, you good can idea. Eat. Not a new chat away for him. So uh, one of the things I think that's quite interesting is that obviously not everything freezes well. You know, there are certain things like, you know, I suppose you know, if you had very wine. fluffy. Well, I think no wine's fine. It's just a liquid. <laughs> um, there must be certain things that are too delicate to freeze, or the texture changes in frozen. Sometimes mm -hmm. that's good, like you know, freezing an octopus. Interestingly, actually tenderizes it. You know, it's it's what chefs will advise you to do is to cook an octopus from frozen because it does actually tenderize it. What are the things you have to avoid in this area to sort of what what doesn't work with frozen, or have you not come across that yet? 
Those things are pretty good. Um, obviously, things with very high sugar content will defrost quicker. But that is just how quick you eat it rather than there's nothing wrong with it. Mm. Um, but generally, I just cook like I did at home. Freezer. And freeze it within minutes. So it's just as nutritious as it was when I made it. So I've just eaten the um, crumble. Pretty damn good. Right, so um, Ollie's going to tuck swaps. into what you... The like, well, I call it Swiss roll. It's not... You call it a chocolate roulade? I do. Is that yeah. the, um, that's the posh. A posh name. Oh, look, he's passing on as well. Thank you. Um, so so what's your target market um, here, Joe? What, what, what are you finding are your sort of, you know, key customers? Um, busy mums, like me. Um, families, especially, who can choose a variety of meals for the same meal time, which is becoming much more common. Mm. Um, we have a lot of people buying for their parents, elderly parents, oh, possibly, mm. and for gifts when folk need time off, coming out of hospital perhaps, or having a baby, or... Um, Mm, I'm sorry, I'm not really answering because I'm just eating the um, Swiss roll, which you've just polished off as well. That was easy, wasn't it? It was mm. very difficult. Obviously, the slice was too small. Clearly, that's <laughs> the flaw. The good news is there. you get to choose the, sli the size of your slice, so that helps. Mm. It's interesting you talk about the older market because I think that's mm. a really interesting space, Definitely. actually, which is, mm. I think, very under-addressed. Um, and, you know, if you are in your late 70s, 80s, actually cooking becomes quite difficult, quite tiring. Mm -hmm. Um and actually, therefore, having good solutions is quite important. I mean, my mum's 80, actually, and, and the things that she finds quite difficult is, you know, a, she's got a La Creuset pan, even if it's a small one. It's really heavy, and she struggles to get that in the oven, you know, or it's also that hand movement sometimes. She's, she's struggling a little bit with that. Um, and, and it just gets more difficult, um, as she's, and, and yet she always cooks from scratch every night. But I can see, as she's getting older, she's finding that more difficult. The thought of having a ready meal for her is almost like a no-no. Um, and yet this is a really great um, solution for her, isn't it? In, yeah. in that it's all fresh, you know, it's all good stuff. Yeah. And I could see her, you know, accepting this, really. Yeah. Um, it, I think it's the the difficulty is the selling job, isn't it? Yeah. And trying to sell to somebody like her. A lot of like our range, her. yeah, is aimed at those um, it's okay. customers. Yeah, mm. um, recipes they'd recognise, recipes mm. that take a long time to cook from scratch. Um, have a lot of processes in them. Fish pie is probably one of our most oh, I love fish popular. Pie. You're not to eat too much, Holly, because you're going out for dinner tonight, I've been told. That was dinner. Your, that's it, that's it, your that's wife it. will tell me off if you yeah, eat any right. more than I, that I, I for lunch. I'll, I'll stop that. I'll stop that. <laughs> Enjoying a little, little mm. bit of crumble. <laughs> good, no? Very good, very mm. good. Yeah, sorry, I was interrupting you, Joe, but but that's, that, uh, that is uh, an under-addressed market. I mean, I know it's going to cost a little bit of money for somebody perhaps who's on a pension, but at least you know you're going to get a really great meal. Mm. And also they can feel like they can pick it, they can choose it, they can, you know, heat it up yeah. and they know what's in it. Yeah. Mm. Um, so we've eaten, um, oh, I've eaten the rhubarb and strawberry crumble um, and I've had the Belgian chocolate roulade. I'm going to tuck in some more in a minute. Tell me what your, your sort of, you know, your main course savoury uh, range consists of. Um, we've got good old favourites. The mac and cheese with bacon and um, lasagna, beef lasagna. And we've got another 10 skews coming off very shortly um, with some more vegetarian options as well. Mm. Um, we do a lot of good curries, tikka marsala and uh, vegetable madras, which is extremely tasty. Um, at the moment, we have 10 dishes, soon to be 20. Wow. Yeah. 
And you've also got things like posh peas, sweet potato wedges and and, 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 and stuff like that. So presumably that, that somebody can do that as well as that's the main side course. dishes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Side dish, that's, very, that's very sensible, isn't it? Um, and is your focus on, you know, when you look at the range, is, it, is your focus on the sweet desserts or is it more on the main meals? Where, where's the balance of the business at the moment? Um, on the main meals, mainly. Um, but there are an increasing demand for sweet desserts for a treat maybe but um predominantly people come for the main meals we do single portions and double portions um and the sides have been a great hit as well to accompany those and where are you listed at the moment so this is um well i've just launched our new website which is www.gourmet.com and actually we're doing a 40% off promotion there you go get yeah. on there quickly and Promo try some code, of these mm. food talk for the first 50 listeners. Food talk. Fantastic. Well done. Um, Thank so you for that. Have a look on there. Um, we're in Amazon Fresh. It's been doing very well on there. And selected spas and Nisa and lots of farm shops in the south. So the sort of corner shop type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that... Um, so I go to St Pancras Station, whatever, yep. and they've got Sourced Market in there. When Sourced Market started, it was trying to be a deli and all that sort of stuff. And now, more and more, you can see that they're doing food for people to pick up and take home on the train and heat up at home. You know, really nice stuff that they've made there in their kitchen. And they seem to be doing more and more of that. And, and there does seem to be an element of people not necessarily doing a big shop like they used to but thinking oh I'm on the way home now that looks I know that's been made there I'll take that back with me is that a tr is that in your, in your research you know, Ollie? It's, it's funny when when I worked at Unilever back in the late 90s early 2000 they had a thing a brand called Rocket which was sold and supplied in super in, in train stations only and it was mm. basically HelloFresh Gusto that kind of idea in a bag which you got only at train stations and the idea was you got your bag, you took it home, and you had everything you too needed. Too early. The idea was way too, too early. early. Mm. And, and now, actually, I think the whole world of, you know, sort of, um, I'm going to call it cooking assembly. Yeah. Not cooking from scratch, cooking assembly, where cooking you, know, you actually, you take, you take, maybe you get everything, like HelloFresh or Gusto, or maybe you buy core ingredients and then you use, like, Simply Cook, or the spices they give you. I think that is a growing area which allow people who don't have the breadth of ingredients in their home to play around and allows you to try new dishes and explore stuff. We've actually got some research going out at the moment, literally live in market today, um, to look at why people buy ready meals and to try and understand the attitudes towards ready meals. Because I think, I think it's complicated. I don't think it's, you know, ready meals and, and these solutions are one answer. It's not, I don't like cooking, which is where it probably was probably 20 years ago, I don't cook. Now... Ready meals will solve an occasion. I don't feel like cooking tonight, or it's a dish I can't cook, do, like do you your curry example. Do you think it's the right phrase, though? I think it needs rebranding from away from ready meal in a, in a way. I don't know if you do. You feel that, Joe? I do feel that, but it's we need. Can you come up with another generic for it? Ready prepared. Yeah, it's pre-prepared. It's, it's pre-prepared. Yeah. But but I think also what's interesting is they started to push the dimensions of what is pre-prepared. So you know, if you've got the the Charlie Binghams of this world, it's very much like you know, here's your meal heated up. But obviously in the HelloFresh world, you've got 20 minutes of work to do. And I think that appeals to different occasions. Mm. And, you know, look, you see the rise of, of, um, of, of, of Deliveroo, of Uber Eats, you know, of Just Eat. All those kind of brands are actually also driving an alternative thing. And I think, you know, they're all suiting different needs. I think it's the, the market is fragmenting in some ways. And, 
and, and I think you know the idea of I'll stick with the word ready meal for sake of simplicity yeah, yeah. but the ready meal is actually appealing to many different mindsets rather than just the sort of I don't cook, I won't cook kind of thing, because it's more complicated. Because our research here um, says that the UK eats over half of the ready meals that are made in Europe. I mean, that's when you consider the populations of Germany and France, just for example, let alone Spain, Portugal. You know, we eat half the ready meals that are made in Europe, and we, we fork out three billion pounds on them. That's like n nine million a day for ready meals. But I think that's because we're not, we're not sort of... Um, you know, sort of chunking up what a ready meal is. They're all very different. This, as you say, there's very different types of ready meal, satisfying it's, different needs, really. But I mean, I think France is a very different market where you will walk into a small delicatessen and they will have what I will call ready meals, you know, behind the counter that you would then buy. So I think there's much more there. But that probably isn't classified as a ready no, meal for the exactly, purposes of this exactly. research. Yeah. So I think there's that more sort of thing where you'll go in and you'll get, a, a, you know, a square of lasagna that you will buy from your local shop and you will then eat it. So I think they've got that kind of environment that we don't have in this country, at least broadly. Um, I mean, I think it's also the fact that we're a much more, you know, adventurous country from a culinary perspective. You know, we mm. are cooking and eating Chinese food and Indian food and Thai mm. food and everything else. So also we're learning and people are keen to explore new cuisines, which they may not have knowledge of how to create. So on one level, the ready meal does give you access to things that you don't quite, it's a, it's a transition mm you know, that allows you to go into a, a, you know, a dish you hadn't tried before. And how do you keep up, Joe, with, with sort of trends or, or, or the new product development? Is it just sort of pop into your head or is it stuff that you yeah, see well, as you're walking around, watching telly? You know, what, 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 what drives new product development? Um, the demand. Often we get um, people asking for things. Um, because we're quite new, we haven't yet put out all the ones that we intended to right from yeah. the beginning, so mm. we're still working on those. Um, but there's vast opportunities with um, different cuisine from different countries, oh, which, as you said, is being much more accepted over here yeah. than perhaps on the continent. Um, and do you have to cook, um, now that you're doing this in such a, a large scale, when you're, when you're sort of doing your new product development, do you have to cook in a different way than you did when it was for your family? Do, do you have to say, well, I have to do this slightly differently now because, because I know it won't translate? What adjustments have you made? There are adjustments to be made, but I always start off with how I pre would, what, would like it mm. to have it um, ideally yeah. um and then obviously as it goes into a large production you have to tweak various things but not terribly mm. not not a lot um they really are cooked from all ingredients that you would get yeah, at home. home yeah um but 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 ollie you know when you're scaling up these things it's so important to get the right suppliers because you know, if you are going to do pastry, it's got to be amazing pastry, as if because it's got oh, it's mm. got your name on it, Joe. So it has to be, doesn't it? But um, um, you've got to get the right supplies to do it in the right way. And look, I think that's one of the great pressures for, for for brands like yours is that actually the pressure comes a lot from the retailers about hitting the right price point, delivering mm. the right margin, mm. and often that force is compromise. And I think you know what the, you know. I think it, it, when you are in the premium sector, which you obviously are. You know, I think as, you know, other brands have done in this space, you know, you're trying, you've got to hold that line mm. because there's always a cheaper way of doing things. That's the problem. And ultimately, I think that if you go down that route, ultimately you create a different product and, and that's a different product. That's fine. But yeah. it's in that premium end of the market where, you know, the people who can afford to buy, you know, the sort of the two raspberry cheesecakes or, mm. the, you know, the roulade rolls, actually you do need to have certain you know, quality standards in order to make it mm, work. Absolutely. So what's the, so the plan, obviously, you're focused on, 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 on MPD, you're focused on kind of creating and embracing new cuisines and stuff. So is it also distribution growth that you're going after? Is it sort of 
Yeah, ultimately we'd like to um, expand the online sales. Um, again, I think it's a trend that is very much... That's uh, not without its problems in terms of distribution, no, but anyway, no, exactly. although that's getting easier, I think. But Yeah, um, um, but people really think about shopping in the evenings when they're at home, um, not when the shops are open often, so that would be good way to drive sales and and you set up the company uh with your husband glenn that's that right. right yeah so what's his take on all this you know who, who's the boss really well he's Just the like business head and i'm the food head is what we oh, say okay <laughs> right yeah 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 uh, i love food and i love the recipes and i like doing all the research and meeting fellow producers and things and passionate people about food um when it comes to the sums and the mass I he, he pass does that, that over yeah yeah and i'm assuming yeah. the children the taster still definitely yeah we have yeah. a very willing taste panel most of the evenings. <laughs> um, and how old are they? Uh, Jordan's 20s in the family business. Oh, okay, that's good. Then. Oh, wow, so it, 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 mm-hmm. it's a business that's growing. The children mm-hmm. start off by, you know, they started, they created the problem and they, the end up, they, end yeah. up, they end up, you know, Tasting actually it's part of the business. Being part of the solution. <laughs> yeah. And then the twins are 17 there. Okay, so that's good then. So you've got you've got some real sort of informed things. And for me, that is difficult. Um, I know your your children are young, Ollie, but you know when they get older, um, that there is this thing where one's here, one's there. Somebody's doing this, somebody's doing that. It does get difficult. Yeah. And if you are if you are cooking, I was always refused to do three different types of dinners. Sorry, this is the one we're having, chaps. Um, but but that does become increasingly difficult as they get yeah, older, it isn't it? And, yeah. and and this is a really good solution. Yeah. And it's also interesting, I think, you know, we've talked about this before, is that, you know, food is now part of identity, you know, which we said, you know, 10, 15 years ago was not the case. So, you know, it's completely you know, possible. I can even go far as say likely that, you know, if you have two children, one of them might choose to be a vegan or vegetarian and the other one might not. Mm. You know, it's often that within a family, someone... Is streaking out for gluten intolerant or dairy free. And actually, I think this is part of the problem, which is actually the challenge of of catering to a group of people, you know, whether that's, you know, your family or your extended family, Mm. is actually becoming increasingly complicated. Much harder than it used to be. So, Joe, would you just like to just repeat your wonderful offer to our um, Food Talk listeners? So, you need to go into Gourmet, which is G O U R, Gourmet. Dot com That's and right. went on there. Yep. Um, with your first order, you can get forty percent off if you put the promo code in Food Talk. Food Talk. Isn't that there good? Go. That's good. I'm gonna have a look on that actually. First fifty listeners. First fifty, first 50 listeners. listeners. That's very kind Move indeed. Move fast. Move fast. So get on there, gourmet.com. Um, thank you so much for joining us, Joe. So that's Joe Devonish. Um, very interested in keeping tabs on the frozen food sector. Uh, quite a lot more innovation on that, I think. That's one of the areas. You know, don't go making gin chaps. That's a bit crowded. Or snack bars. Um, definitely uh, look at the frozen aisle, I think, for some innovation. And I think, you know, it's one of those things where you know, it's not as sexy. I mean, I'm sure, you know, you know, if you're, you know, if you're sort of long bearded gentleman who produces his own gin, we've had lots of those on the show and we love them dearly. Um, and, you know, but but it's a cool kind of sector. But actually, yeah. I think, you know, you're in a much, much, much bigger market where there's but a lot of competition, struggle. but it does need challenging. It does need reimagining. Mm. And, and I think you've, you've got, um, you know, really interesting brand there. You need you need a great brand as well, don't you, if you're if you're going to compete, because they all look the same when you go down the frozen aisle. Totally. And I think one of the challenges with some of the brands in this sector is, they are very tied to a personality, which has its benefits and its weaknesses. What are you thinking, Captain Birdseye? No, I'm thinking like, you know, Charlie Bingham is, who's yeah. Charlie Bingham? What's yeah. he about? What's his attitude? What's his values? You know, and that makes people ask questions. You want to know about who is that character, which, you know, one one person brands are complicated. Mm. Um, 
But I think the other thing is, is that you're not in one category. So I think, you know, goo yeah. is very much tied to puds. puds. Yeah. You guys are cross area, like the guys we had last week in terms of, you know, the primal pantry. You know, again, mm. they're not just tied to a snack bar. They can go beyond it. And I think that actually that ability to expand the brand and create a positioning that you're then relevant in lots of spaces is really the only way to deliver economies of scale. Yeah. Mm. And the other thing, just uh, briefly before we finish, you've got to have great pack shots because the problem with Frozen is it looks looks pretty awful when it's frozen because you can't really see anything. So um, having really great pack shots of what, what is inside is important, isn't it, Ollie, you're f- with your marketing head on? Yeah, no, totally. And I, actually, I really, it's really worth saying, actually, I really like the packaging here because there's this, you know, on one level it looks really traditional. There's these big, bold, coloured um, packs with, you know, very clear kind of writing on it. But then you flip the lid... Um, and inside, it's like a picture of what's inside it. And the truth is, frozen food always looks rubbish. You know, when you, you know when it's frozen, it's covered in ice. Actually, to show what it's going to look like is this is really it's, important. It's really important. Yeah. It's Brilliant. really important. So, good luck with it, Joe, and uh, also with Glenn, your husband, uh, Gourmet. Don't forget the little code as well. Um, very good indeed. Um, you've been listening to the Food Talk Show. And um, we're available well just about everywhere now. You can listen to us on the podcast app, iTunes, Podbean, various radio stations. And I'd like to say thank you once again to my fellow presenter, Ollie Lloyd, who's been very restrained because he's going out somewhere posh for dinner tonight. Um, and Ollie's chief executive of Great British Chefs. Just let us know where you're going for dinner. Come on. Going to Cornerstone. Um, Cornerstone is the new restaurant from Tom Brown, who is the ex-head chef um, for Nathan Outlaw. So it's a fish-focused restaurant. Um, tip for a lot of awards this year. It's at Hackney Wick. Um, Look at you, you're much, smiling I'm as so you're excited. talking. You I'm can't so help yourself, can you? You know, I've eaten his food before and he's um, he's a very, very, very special young chef. I mean, you know, he's one of the younger generation, but he's, you know, he's, he's breaking rules and he's, he's kind of fun. He's got such an awful job. Notice didn't invite me. Um, so if you want to recommend any future guests, <laughs> someone doing something groundbreaking in the food sector, please get in touch with us. Or if you've got free tickets to go to somewhere like... <laughs> Watney's going tonight um, via Twitter on at Food Talk Show. And if you want to listen to any of our hundreds of podcasts, please go to foodtalk.co.uk. Have a good week. Bye. <laughs>